0: Our scripture this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 17. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, to greediness, to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learn Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him, as truth is in Jesus, to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourself with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in truth, in, the, in true righteousness and holiness. So then put away falsehood. Let each of you speak the truth with your neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Those who steal must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor, doing good work with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice. To God, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The question that we are looking at today in our sermon series in Ephesians is how does being the church change the way you live? How does being the church change the way you live? And in answer to that from this particular text, I would say that you... People of the church become imitators of God by letting your mind be transformed and by uh, letting your behavior reflect the loving character of God. The loving character of God becomes the model for the church's loving behavior. So I want to uh, share th- three thoughts with you today. One is the command, be imitators of God. The second is the command, love one another. And the third is command: the command to live out, uh, in specifics, the character of God. So imitating God. Some of us think that that's rather uh, audacious to say or somewhat ridiculous to ask for those of us who are mere humans uh, to imitate God, really. Uh, And yet Matthew's gospel tells us also, be perfect or complete or mature as your heavenly father is perfect. Actually, I think we are meant to take this command literally. We are, in fact, to imitate God in God's loving characters especially. The activity of our life should be the same as the activity of God. Now, last week, Charlene concluded her sermon by saying, just take that love of Christ and then turn it into more love. So this is, the, this is in essence what God has done, taken the love of Christ and turned it into more and more love. We are to do the same uh, with one another. We see what God is doing, we are to do what God is doing. So the ethical principles that are laid out here are principles that enable the church to live in the unity of love that we heard about last week. When we love one another, we are imitating God who loves each one of us. Now, this is a secondary, as Earl would say, Earl Palmer in his last commentary would say, this is a secondary command. The primary command is what God has done. That is, the, we, we are now responding to God's primary act of love, of care, of salvation. That's our, our response, is to imitate God. This is secondary. This is something we learned. He says it's almost as if the apostle dared us to try to live in the way that, God, uh, that we know about God. So imitate is a secondary response to the primary response of God's love. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Just imitate God, okay? That's the command. Uh, secondly, the, the way we do that is to love one another. Uh, listen again to verses uh, 32 through 5 two. be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, This now gives us some of the overarching principles on how we are to live out that love, how we are to imitate God. So these broad principles we see here are forgiving or giving in in grace, um, staying or having staying power, as Earl would say, staying power uh, in the present. This is a present tense. um, Be present with the person, and then sacrificing. In other words, giving yourself to another person uh, in a way that will serve them for the sake of the gospel. So the big picture is that we are to love one another by forgiving, by staying, and by sacrificing. We're to do that in a way that will help us uh, and help others know the love of God. So forgiving reminds us all that there are second chances with God that we can start over, that we can begin again. This is graciously giving us a new point of reverence, reference and a new start. Uh, Another chance, grace along the way. Uh, staying power that is this is a present tense it's actually walking continue walking continue conducting your life in a particular way here a particular way that will respond with another person in their particular need it has staying power Uh, walk in love be walking in love continue to walk in love be present for that person And then third, we see the sacrificing, the helping. This is really, uh, it says, just as Christ also gave himself for us all. Uh, This is actually the word that is used to betray, uh, to hand over. Judas uses, uh, or or is reflected on in, in handing Jesus over. Here we see that it's Jesus that handed himself over for the sake of God and for the sake of humanity. So this way of loving is a reflection of the image of God. If we are called to imitate God and demonstrate that in life, then we are called to adopt, to take on these three aspects of love. Forgiving or giving generously, uh, staying or continuing to be present, and sacrificing, giving ourselves to one another for the sake of the gospel. Um, As I was mulling over these thoughts uh, this last couple of weeks, I had two family um, situations that Janie and I went to. One was a memorial service for my cousin, Sarah. The other was a wedding for my nephew's daughter. Uh, That's a ways down there. I'm not really that old, but my nephew has a daughter that is old enough to be married. Okay, so... um, (laughs) Uh, So those two events happened. So my brother, my next oldest brother Steve and I went down to the service for Sarah. Sarah was um, an interesting person and um, different than um, most of us. I don't know that there's normal but uh, nonetheless Sarah was uh, different. But here's here's a little bit of Sarah's story. She was valedictorian of her high school class, her senior class. She was the editor of the yearbook. She was on the homecoming queen's court. Uh, she had all of the success out there in front of her, waiting for her. Her trajectory was really quite solid in what she could do in life. She was a good writer and so forth. However, she had an experience in college which triggered a break from reality. A way that left her with the diagnosis of schizophrenia along with paranoid tendencies. She lived with her parents until their death and then she, as an only child, lived in the house for the rest of her life. But Sarah attended church. She attended two Bible studies, uh, women's Bible studies in this particular church. And the women of those Bible studies wrapped Sarah in what some have called a cocoon of love. They didn't know Sarah that well. They didn't know why she was a bit different. But they wrapped her in what we could call a cocoon of love. This was the church in action. Sarah was enveloped in their love, and so Steve and I shared a little bit about sarah 's life uh, and the women in the Bible studies uh, were quite interested in uh, in a sense why Sarah was different than uh, many others. Uh, but they had no idea, but nonetheless, as church what, what is what 's the difference church makes what, what does it what does it matter that we 're part of the church? The church for Sarah was that cocoon of love that held her uh, in their arms. Uh, one Thanksgiving, one of the women uh, asked Sarah to come over and have Thanksgiving with uh, her and her family and Sarah didn't really wanna to go to the house and so uh, she, she, they uh, agreed on a particular um, restaurant that they would go to. On Thanksgiving day, they drove to the restaurant, it was closed. So the woman said, well, Sarah, where would you like to go? Uh, and Sarah said, McDonald's. <laughs> How many of you have had Thanksgiving dinner at McDonald's? <laughs> okay, some of you have. <laughs> okay. Uh, but that's staying power, that's presence, that's sacrifice, that's giving a second chance, That's allowing grace to live through one to another. The other experience was the wedding of my, as I said, nephew's daughter, uh, who's almost a quarter of a century old. Um, And this was a celebration of joy, of happiness, of new beginnings. It just was a fabulous time together. Um, We learned some things about Rachel in this, that is those of us who haven't been quite as close to her. She was really quite a remarkable young, or is quite a remarkable young woman. She was um, in her church, she grew up in the church and in consultation or in in cooperation with her family who also loved her deeply uh, and nurtured her, the church also did that. And the church enabled her to become the mature Christian person that she is at this age in her life. Uh, She was a leader in the church, is. She is uh, part of the music ministry of the church. She's a mentor to younger students in the church. She helps plan and goes on mission trips with the young people in the church and on and on. Uh, she's quite a remarkable woman. That was really the actual theme of the wedding. I'm not sure that was maybe it was too much uh, of a theme. We wondered about Caleb. Now what about Caleb? come on let's say some nice things about uh, her fiance and uh, there were a few um, <laughs> But she was really a remarkable um, a young woman in this case, and he was too. I have to uh, say that. but that's the church doing its work, its loving work of helping a person live into the fullness of what God wants them to be. I think this is illustrated in the story of Lazarus. I mean, you know the story of Lazarus in John uh, 11. And what happens is Jesus comes late. The sisters uh, blame Jesus for Lazarus's death. But there's a community of mourners that have, have wrapped their care, have wrapped the grief of themselves, but mostly the grief of those sisters, Mary and Martha, in a cocoon of love. They are there with them. They are there uh, to support them. They are there to grieve with them. But then Jesus goes to the tomb and he says, roll the stone away. And nobody thinks that's a good idea. It's going to stink. It's going to be, you know, it's way too late to do those kind of things. And besides, you don't yell at a dead person to come out right? And so there Jesus goes, he yells at Lazarus, come out, and sure enough, Lazarus comes out. And then what happens is the same same community of mourners, Jesus tells them to unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. That is letting him live into the newness, the fullness of life with Christ, this new life that he has Given, been given in Jesus Christ. So those are two ways in in wrapping a person in a cocoon of love and in unbinding a person so that they can live in the fullness of the potential that God has created them to be. That those are two ways that we can love one another. One of the questions I think that this text poses to me and maybe to you also is: Where are you in that scene? Are you one who needs to be wrapped in a, commun- in a cocoon of love? Are you one who needs to be unwrapped so that you can live into the full potential of what God has called you to be and to do? And maybe you also are one who is also helping to wrap another person in God's love and to unbind another person in the life that God has called them Uh, To live. So what happens with that is that we bring our true selves to church, and we find here in this church, as Charlene already said, a place where you can be wrapped if you are in need and distress, a place where you can be unbound, where you can live into the fullness of Christ. That's not unique to us, But that is part of the call of imitating God in the gracious, loving character that God demonstrates. But there's more. There's more in this particular text and the more is specific issues on how we are to live out that love. Because if you have forgiveness and staying power and sacrifice, those are big pictures. But how does that actually work in life uh, and in our relationships? So that we can imitate God who gives us this new life. And what I would say to you is that as you look at verses 25 to 32 in chapter 4, you see the contrast, you see the, the ethics, the, this list of virtue and vices that are characterized of Greco-Roman morality, of Stoic philosophy, of Jewish um, ethics as well those might be similar, aspirational, ideal um, to live towards. What changes, what is the difference is our motivation. Our motivation is to be those who reflect the character of God for other people so that they might be filled with all the fullness of God. So I would translate this um, Section 25 to 32, a bit differently. You're not going to find this in a, a Bible, um, but it reflects, I think, the uh, the intent of the contrast. Because in each case, there's a contrast being made between what you should l- let go of that is put off in the image of uh, our text, and what you should put on. So here's how I would translate it: Stop lying or stop telling falsehoods. But, be those who continually tell the truth. And I think in the Gospel of John, do the truth, live the truth. Verses 26 and 27, stop inappropriate anger. You could almost translate this, uh, if you are angry. It doesn't give us permission to be angry, but if we are angry, stop inappropriate anger. Um, But, Settle accounts quickly. Don't give room for the devil. Don't let your anger fester until it really eats you from the inside out. Stop stealing. But work so you might have something to give those in need. Work not only for yourself, for money, for uh, livelihood, and so forth, but to give to others. Maybe we should stop and just take an offering right now. Uh, <laughs> because right, isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to stop just thinking of ourselves. And we're working. I mean, it's really surprising here. We're working not so we can have some discretionary money or not so we can take a trip. We're working so that we can help those who have a need. 29. Stop talking evil. But... Build up one another with what you say, with edifying speech. Make sure that what you say to others will help build them in their understanding of the faith and of the love of God. Stop, verse 30, grieving the spirit, but live into your redemption. That is, live into your new life in Christ. It doesn't happen all at once. I mean, what God has done happens, but we can live into that. We can know more and more about that as we continue living and growing in what that means. And then we have almost a crescendo here in 31 and 32. Stop bitterness, which that's the low rung, then wrath or anger or argumentativeness, that is taking all of that bitterness and anger and wrath and becoming argumentative with it, and malice. It's almost as if this continues to rise to higher levels, but, and here's the contrast, be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving or giving to one another. Now, if we just take the virtue side of that in summary of the specifics of the way we live out the forgiving and the staying power and the sacrificing, if we look at these virtues as the specifics, at least an illustration of the specifics of how we live that out, we have the following. Live out truth, sharing, edifying speech, redemption, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, These are all character qualities of God that we then are to imitate. Let them demonstrate who you are. Let them be a reflection of how people see you. And as a result, you will be imitating God and living out the image of God in you. So whether you are weaving a cocoon of love around a person in crisis or are creating space for someone to live in the freedom of the spirit, you are imitating God. Whether you are forgiving or staying, remaining or sacrificing, you are imitating God. As you tell the truth, give edifying speech, act in kindness, compassion and giving, you are imitating God. The church changes the way we live when we seek to have our minds transformed through God's word and God's community, and then live the minutes and the hours of our days with new eyes to see, new ears to hear, new hands to give. In so doing, we imitate the loving character of God in our church and in our world. Amen.